0: When you're ready, let's start this game.
1: Welcome to Unstacked, where we unstack literary news, share what we are reading slash watching and cool things happening with the Northwest Regional Library System and the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library. Hey, this is Sarah from the Bay County Public Library.
0: And this is Stephen from the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library. Hey! Hey, How are
1: you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to see you.
0: Yes, yes. It's been a while since we've sat down and done one of these. Almost like three or so authors ago.
1: And it's like we're planning that or something. Weird. And this one um, is back to our literary news. So do you have any fun literary stories to share?
0: Do you know what time of year it is?
1: Uh...
0: Oscar season, Sarah. Oscar (laughs) season.
1: I should know that. And that's March, right? March is like...
0: March 27th, to be exact, if you want to get technical. There you
1: go. Okay.
0: So there's a bunch of uh, movies that are nominated for that, obviously, because that's a, a movie award show. But a lot of those movies are based off books. Yes. So I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of some things that are coming up. Um, the two that had the biggest amount of nominations, obviously, were Dune and The Power of the Dog. Uh, Power of the Dog is a Thomas Savage novel, and Dune is a Frank Herbert novel. Then we've got Nightmare Alley, which I, I am, is on my watch list, but I have not yet gotten there. But it's a, uh, a novel by William Lindsay Grissom. Uh, so we, got, we got House of Gucci, uh, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man, uh, Cyrano, that really hasn't even come out yet though, has it?
1: I don't even know what that one's
0: about. It's it's Sereno, Sereno de Bergiax. you would uh the last one I watched starred Steve Martin and it was Roxanne. But this one is Peter Dinklage's Sereno.
1: Oh, I saw I did see a commercial for it and it looked really good.
0: But I don't think it's out yet. How is that how's that something that's been nominated?
1: Ed. I don't know. Which then is sad because then no one has seen it and is not doing that movie any favors.
0: Nope, and there's a bunch of others, but those are the biggest ones. Uh, I think Denzel Washington has got a tragedy of Macbeth, which is obviously yes, Shakespeare.
1: I totally um, want to see that. It's yeah, on Apple, I think.
0: And that's why I know nothing about it.
1: Yeah, it looks beautiful because it's one of the Co- it's the Coen Brother movie. Oh, is it? It is, and um, the wife. What is her name? Frances McDermott, isn't okay. it?
0: Well, that makes sense. It's a brother movie. Out,
1: out! What is it? Out, out damn! Well, I'm not going to go into that. I out don't know damn very spot. Much. Yeah, that's the only one I know.
0: I mean, I don't want to give too away. Give away too much uh, about the secrets of of the library here in Huntsville. But there's a staff bathroom that has a hand washing sign, that is uh, just the various steps of hand washing done to the uh, to get the blood off your hands speech. <laughs> Wash Aww. your hands like you're trying, like you just killed a Danish king. <laughs>
1: that one's really cute
0: (laughs) i don't have apple plus and i don't like i've got too many subscriptions already and i I hate having to, to pick up things for one show i'm getting ready to have to pick up paramount which i swear i never would do but
1: i know and it's all the good things i we have apple because of ted lasso
0: is that i thought that was an hbo show
1: nope Okay, great.
0: I I have been not watching it because I couldn't watch it, not because I just choose (laughs) not to.
1: It's really good. First season, perfect season. Definitely worth watching. It's like a feel good. And then you have Roy Kent, who's just like this grumpy football player. And it's the reason to watch it.
0: My youngest is obsessed with Halo and Paramount (laughs) is getting ready to start a Halo show.
1: Mm, So you have to. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The things we do. I know. What you got?
1: Oh, um, well, my first story is an elaborate theft of hundreds of pre-published manuscripts for over a five-year span. Have Did you want to talk about that one too?
0: No, but I <laughs> I, I read this one. It was fun. Well, assuming that you weren't the guy whose uh, manuscript got stolen or, or lady who's- I
1: know. Well, the thing is, it doesn't- it, doesn't entirely make sense of what their motive was. And and so even going into it, but it's very interesting. Italian citizen, Filippo Barnardini was arrested this past January and charged with identity theft and wire fraud. So he had like 160 websites, all these email addresses. He was like, kind of like pretend that he was in the publishing industry and like get these pre-published manuscripts. And they were from some really big authors And he was, in fact, an employee of Simon & Schuster UK, which is very surprising. So not only was he pretending to be in the publishing industry, he actually was in the publishing industry. Still don't know why he was doing all of this. The case was under FBI investigation after he stole from writers such as like Margaret Atwood, which, come on, come on, she already has a manuscript that no one could read let's not make it more because of that what was it called that um 100 year library or whatever where she's got some manuscript in there that no one knows anyways so there's thefts from authors from all these countries because he was also pretend like he was a translator <laughs> so there's like germany italy iceland sweden um, China, United States, you name it. He probably tried to steal some really cool authors' pre-published manuscript. And maybe he had some literary ambitions, but who knows? In the end, very elaborate plans without much payoff other than probably some prison time.
0: I, I wasn't sure what was going on with that. that was, <laughs> it was a bizarro one. And his name alone was why I stayed away from putting that news story in my feed.
1: Did I do okay?
0: You're you're asking me, like I have (laughs) some kind of clue on how to pronounce kiate. I'm pretty sure you had all the right syllables.
1: Yeah, I'm not that great with um, pronunciation. (laughs) But um, yeah, I thought it was a fascinating story.
0: So maybe we'll get the motive soon. I, I need to know. Yeah,
1: why? That was very elaborate. There was a lot of websites to keep track of. Think of all the passwords he would have had.
0: I struggle with (laughs) with the amount of passwords I have already, Sarah. I don't need that many more.
1: (laughs) I know. All of them.
0: I was going to talk about OverDrive because last year we had a record number of libraries that hit 1 million digital lendings. There are 121 public libraries uh, across uh, seven countries and 37 U.S. states that surpassed 1 million digital lens, which is a huge, huge number. I know that uh, here we are not close to that number. I think we're, we're probably a, a decimal point or so down, but places that joined that list were, let's see here, then obviously the big places are always going to be in your top 10, Toronto, Los Angeles, New York, Seattle, Calgary. Louisville Free Public Library joined, Uh, Kent District Library, Georgia Download Destination, Houston Public Library all hit it for the first time. 22 systems made the 1 million mark shot here this year, which is 16% more than it was last year.
1: That's impressive. And it makes sense because everyone's going more and more digital and OverDrive. I've really enjoyed OverDrive.
0: Keep on using those digital downloads. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's non-traditional use of library in a way. It's it's something we're growing into, I guess.
1: Because you don't technically have to go to the library other than getting that library card in your PIN and getting that set up. All the things. I like that you can return it whenever you're ready and then get more things.
0: Unlike that hoopla.
1: Yeah, I don't understand hoopla, but I haven't used it. Uh, have you?
0: Oh, yes. I've uh, Some of the, the books that we've had authors on. I've swiped it from there.
1: Okay. For the hoopla. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But that one is a, uh, so many, a, sh- a shot, but they also have a, a set that you can do as many as you want unlimited. It just depends on Ooh. what the title is. It's, it's more public domain style stuff.
1: Gotcha. Which I think some of ours is that way as well. Um, We had One title that we were purchasing and we got really confused because it was like 113 copies, but it just turned out it was like a public domain title where you could like have that many people at one time reading it. (laughs) And so we didn't actually buy that many. We got really freaked out.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. You'll only be charged for half of these one more news story about OverDrive. You know, I love OverDrive, but I also hate OverDrive. Not because mm-hmm. of OverDrive itself, but because of the digital publishing companies and the amount of money they charge per titles and how they they essentially are just gouging everything. Well, last year, Maryland mm-hmm. made a, a law, right, let's see here where they were trying to make it so that if you released a book in Maryland through digital, you had to give access at a reasonable fee to libraries. It went to uh, the courts and a federal judge has ruled that. Nope.
1: Wow. She sided with, with the publisher. Copyright. And yep. yeah,
0: that they, there was a whole bunch of reasons she cited, but more importantly, the one that she said trumped everything was federal copyright law prevented Maryland from allowing access to these books. So Deborah Boardman is a federal judge there. And I just want to say a couple things to, to, to Miss Boardman. I hope that when you go to get gas, that the gas station across the street is always significantly cheaper, and that when you use your card at the pump, it always says to see attendant. I wish that upon you. <laughs>
1: That's not too bad. I think that's okay. we can handle that. <laughs> and no <But>. more. <laughs> no more than that.
0: <laughs> I'm very specific with my with my curses to people. <laughs> and you pay more for gas and always have to see the attendant cause God, I would hate that.
1: Oh, me too. I, if someone has the, see attendance sign, I like just go to another gas station. I'm so bad.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't, like, need I don't gas know how that this bad. works.
1: <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how this works. I'm believing.
0: <laughs> What's that? I'm out of gas. I guess we're walking. You know, obviously when we're talking about these things, this was a law that was attempting to make access to, to materials available for people at a reasonable it's not like we're asking people to give this stuff to us free we're just asking you not asking publishing companies not to gouge like they are because they i mean i can't legally call it a monopoly but it's very similar
1: and and that's why there's not so many titles of your ebooks like you're kind of waiting and borrowing because we're it it does cost a lot of funds just for one title
0: and I think we've talked about this a couple times on here, the way those kind of books work is essentially, it is almost exactly like purchasing a physical copy of a book only mm-hmm. in digital form. And what's worse is you may only have that access to that book for a limited amount of time because you're only renting that book from Overdrive technically. But mm-hmm. the prices that the digital book goes for are generally much higher than the physical copy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's only going to continue that way thanks to Deborah Boardman And
1: there's other judges in other states (laughs) that will probably do the same thing.
0: Well, they probably will. But right now, she's the one. I I, I hope she has to see the attendance so much.
1: (laughs) I can understand her dilemma. I would not want to fight copyright law. I mean, like, that would be like something like, okay, you win.
0: (laughs) May every time she put on a pair of socks, she step in a wet spot.
1: Oh, (laughs) Well, my next story kind of strays from the story theft and then begins the story collaboration instead. So with kids. So it's this is a delightful story. It's an upbeat one. So Dragons Love Tacos author Adam Rubin has published a series of six short stories recently, February 15th release, called The Ice Cream Machine. So all of the stories are about the ice cream machine. They're all titled that, but they're very different. And it kind of like shows how creative you can be with the same like initial kernel of a story. Then um, there's also six different illustrators for each one. And the coolest part is that dust jacket. So if you take the dust jacket off of the ice cream machine underneath is instructions on how to make an envelope and you can fold it up, and kids are encouraged to write their own story about the ice cream machine and send it. All you have to do is make that envelope, put a stamp on it, write a story, and mail it off to the author, and it might, just might, be included in the paperback version of the book. So they're going to have kids' stories behind the original six, there might be a couple more. And so it's kind of like a little competition to become a published author as a kid, which is pretty sweet. It's kind of like the cherry on top of ice cream, so to speak, except for, you know, like publishing in a good way.
0: I love it. I love Adam Rubin. The, he did something similar with the the jacket on, there was one with a robot. It's either Robo, Robo Juice or uh, Robo Sauce. And Okay. Which the, this kid makes some a potion to turn everything into robots and as you're going through the book you know it, it, he's changing things, and at the end of the book the, the book jacket itself you flip over so that the book becomes a, a robot <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, it was really interactive
0: yes uh, i think he's got one a uh, high five where it's all about high-fiving the book Dragon's Love Taco and Dragon's Love Taco 2 are our two big ones. Secret Pizza Party is a blast. Oh, my goodness. I love Adam Rubin. I want to talk to him eventually.
1: He would be so fun because I was listening to this story on NPR, and he is so creative. So the uh, Rachel, who was doing the interview, was giving him like a, a a random writer's prompt, and he was just coming up with stories just off the you know the cuff and they were fantastic and a lot of fun (laughs) something about gerbils i don't know
0: yeah he's got a he did the uh those darn squirrels too if i remember Mm
1: -hmm. he did so very very clever and creative and read all of the adam rubens and please do not destroy the library dust jackets of the book
0: yes ice cream machine i'll have to (laughs) have to go out and look for that one
1: i have one more Um this one is another publishing related but in a different way. Um we have a theme going on, but this one is that Penguin Random House CEO Marcus Dole is personally donating five hundred thousand dollars over the next five years to pin America to help fight book bans that are happening all across the United States. So his goal is um, equitable access to all books, and when books and words get suppressed, it gets a little worrisome. So this will create the Dole Book Defense Fund to help educate the public and advocate against censorship. Dole feels that um, reading complex stories helps build empathy and quote, to actually see the world from other points of view. So the pin per- America's slogan, which is very good connection um their slogan is the freedom to write and so I think it's a great partnership
0: it's always nice when publishers do the right thing
1: and it's his own personal money that's even bigger like yeah, here. I,
0: I feel like it's my money somehow
1: <laughs> it's not it's not your money it's his money
0: so what are we talking today fairy tales
1: fairy tales
0: what is a fairy tale
1: I don't know. When I was doing this, like, I was like, okay, do I go like classic fairy tales? Or then I was like fantasy. <laughs> <everything>. <laughs> so I don't know. It could really range. Cause even like your mythologies get like kind of fairy tale esque, And especially if you want to go to different countries, like, yeah.
0: So from what I pieced together, generally a short story. Yeah. None of them got a couple of those.
1: Okay, I didn't do any short stories. Uh,
0: magic in in nature.
1: Magic in nature, yes. Check.
0: Uh, s- superficial in a way where it's like what you see is what you get.
1: Oh, mm, what do you mean? Well, I mean
0: like Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. It's a girl walking to her grandmother's house. Wolf jumps out, tries to eat her. Uh huh. Wolf shows up somewhere else, tries to eat her.
1: So, so it's I mean, kind of like a repetitive.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. What is a fairy tale, Sarah?
1: I don't know. I, because we think of like the classic European fairy tales and there's also like the Eastern European fairy tales that kind of fall into, you know, the grim. Um, There's some French fairy tales. A lot of it is oral history or oral, you know, folklore. So, um, even like Grimm would just gather all of these folklores through um, trying to, you know, oral, oral tradition and write them down. And so they didn't create these stories. They were taking them and then rewriting them from, you know, the old woman that lives on the hill, gathering their stories and then putting them into a book.
0: So stories that involve magic and mystery. That's part of our history. That may also include gummy berry juice.
1: There you go. That's exactly what I was going to say.
0: Maybe an uh, algorithm allegory in there somewhere.
1: A lot of allegories. I think a lot of the stories are like how to, you know, be kind and be a better person. And otherwise it's like all murdery.
0: It's a lot of murder in these things. So much murder. And cannibalism. Oh my goodness, cannibalism.
1: Hansel and Gretel.
0: Hansel and Gretel, Red Riding Hood, too. I mean, if you take the, oh, yeah. the, the heart of it, it's, you know, I mean, it's a wolf. Yeah, but it's not a wolf. It's a predator. It's a it's a weirdo in the woods that's trying to get her.
1: Yeah, no, it's true.
0: But I'll let you start.
1: OK, so my first two are takes on. Eastern European fairy tales with Naomi Novak, which I would love to interview her. Let's try to do that. But she has two that are based on like Eastern um, folklore. So Spinning Silver and Uprooted. Uprooted um, was the Nebula Award for Best Novel. And... I honestly am not entirely sure what the synopsis was all about. So there's like a dragon, but he might not be a dragon. It might be a human that's immortal, maybe a wizard or a magician. I don't know. And then for the dragon to help the town, the wood town, um, the village, there's a young woman must serve him for 10 years, which sounds absolutely dreadful and it's a horrible fate. And so the choosing of who this young woman's going to be is like coming up. And that's when the story kind of like, you know, takes place. So did not describe that well at all. Um, this is a, both of these are ones that my sister recommended because she has excellent taste. So I haven't read them yet, but she has, and she loved them. So ignore my little spiel because that's probably horrible. But this one's a little bit more recognizable. So Spinning Silver by Naomi Novak. Um, It is retelling of Rumpelstiltskin about Miriam, the daughter of money lenders who are in debt. And then she must take over her father's job. And then she turns out to be really good at spinning silver into gold. And then this calls the attention of the king. And he's like this weird king of bay creatures. And so she like is building allies and then magic and then intrigue and Things happen. So once again, haven't read these personally, but they've received rave reviews from my sister as well as Goodreads.
0: You've given me a story note idea over here. Story note, (laughs) Rumpelstiltskin is a counterfeiter.
1: I have another Rumpelstiltskin (laughs) one. Oh yeah? Yeah. Um, On my to-read list is the new fairy tale by Marissa Mayer. Um, She's the one that did the Cinder series and it's kind of like the sci-fi Yes, uh, Lunar the Chronicles Lunar Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, they're so fun. Um, but this there's is like, a new. What, uh, what is it,
0: about nine of them?
1: There's a ton, and each one is someone you would recognize, like uh, Cinderella or um, Rapunzel, or you'll you'll recognize who these are supposed to be. I think there's a r- little Red Riding Hood in there as well. And um, the new series begins with Gilded, and Gilded uh, features poor Miller's daughter, Cyrilda, who can spin stories, and one of her tales draws the attention of a sinister king to spin straw into gold or be killed for her lies. And um, so I don't know which reimagining of Rumpelstilton I would want to start with, but they both sound fantastic. So either Fielded by Marissa Mayer, or Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik.
0: Isn't this, uh, if I'm remembering this one correctly, this is a spinoff of the Cinder series, isn't it? Where they actually even make cameos?
1: That I'm not sure. We'll have to see. And it wouldn't surprise me if it had some spinoff quality, but it is the start of a new series. So I think you can hop into it without reading Lunar Chronicles.
0: Um, The one I wanted to start off on is a short story collection. And it is My Mother She Killed Me, My Father He Ate Me.
1: Oh, my gosh. That sounds tragically sad.
0: It's 40 New Fairy Tales. It's edited by Kate Bernheimer. Uh, It's got a foreword by Gregory uh, Maguire, Ah. um, but it has a host of people that we know and have talked heavily about throughout this show. Uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, Joyce Carol Oates, uh, Amy Bender. And there, like I said, there's 40 of these things. And it's got tales from Russia, Germany, Norway, Denmark, England, Ireland, Italy, France, Greece, Vietnam, Japan, Mexico, and the United States.
1: It sounds awesome.
0: And it ranges from, I think, uh, Neil Gaiman's, his is uh, a twist on Homer, the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. There's Little Mermaid in here, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, Bluebeard, Cinderella, Baba Yaga. Some uh, Kevin Brockmeyer does the Rumpelstiltskin in this one. Shelly Jackson has the uh, the Swan Brothers. So it's little stories that give new twists to old stories.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I was thinking of Neil Gaiman with this assignment as well. Cause he's written like the Anasazi boys and he's done like basically any of his original work as fairy tales, but not, you know, like it's not based on anything that's already been done, but they, they have a very similar format. I,
0: know. Uh, I had him on here as well for a smoke and mirrors. And that <laughs> one, he has a snow glass apples, mm. which is a snow white. There's an old woman who can purchase the Holy Grail at a thrift store. Assassins advertise themselves uh, in yellow pages under pest control and snow glass apples in the, toward the end of that book. And it is a fun little tale from the opposite side of the, of the, the spectrum of what you, you normally have snow white.
1: Cool. So a title that I was, um, that I have read and really enjoyed. And it's one, another one where it's not like really a fairy tale, but very, fairy tale esque is um, Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. So there's a little bit of magic, there's pirates, there's a little queer romance in there. She really creates her own like fairy tale worlds. And so Zachary Rollins is in the present day Vermont, discovers a mysterious book in the library that's calling to him. And then it reads a little bit like a fairy tale. However, there's elements of his own history in the book, which is a little jarring. And then there's all these clues, a bee, a key, a sword. And it's hard to know who to trust in the beginning when he's like kind of uncovering his own destiny. And then he goes to a masquerade ball. And then the adventure begins. I highly recommend it. The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern.
0: I have The Changeling by Victor LaVale. It is a tailing of the the, the changeling's tale, but told from a, a... Different perspective, modern perspective. Uh, when Apollo Kagwa's father disappeared, all he left his son was a strange reoccurring dream and a box of books stamped with the word Improbabilia. Now Apollo is a father himself and him and his wife are settling into their new lives. as parents with exhaustion, and anxiety, starting to take their toll. And the, that's when the dreams start to return and Emma starts acting odd. She's disconnected from the new baby. And she seems to be exhibiting signs of postpartum depression, but it quickly becomes clear that her trouble goes deeper. But before he can do anything to help, Emma commits a horrific act and vanishes into thin air.
1: Well, that sounds fascinating.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Victor LaValle, he, um, he does a lot of takes on, on different things. Uh, he did um, a, a little novella that I loved uh, called uh, The Ballad of Black Tom, which is a reinterpretation of an old H.P. Lovecraft story. Mm. So this one sounds like it should be fun, too, for you if you like those kind of uh, horrific takes of, of fairy tales.
1: And then change things in general just always makes me think of, like, the Labyrinth,
0: <laughs> Yep, yep.
1: David Bowie. Just stealing the child.
0: <laughs> this this reminds me of something. The power. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to do a labyrinth joke. It failed.
1: Yeah, I can't remember how that goes. The power. And then there's singing, right? There's like singing. Dance, magic
0: dance. There
1: you go. <laughs> you um, got
0: some?
1: Yeah, I have a few more. Uh, another recommendation from my, from my sister is on her two reads list. So yeah. Um, We both haven't read it, but it's called A Snake Falls to Earth by Darcy Little Badger. So it's a Native American folklore weaving in a new tale. It's indigenous futurism with Apache storytelling focused on Nina, who still believes in all the old stories. And then there's Ollie, a cottonmouth kid from the land of monsters and spirits. There's a catastrophic event. And then the two worlds collide. And so shape-shifting was like a key word, which that's always fun. Um, So if you're interested, a snake falls to earth. And then our youth services librarians created an awesome read-alike book display. And so they um, recommend, like, if you like this, like one of those big well-known series that are usually checked out, maybe you would like this. And so the one for Percy Jackson uh, was Tailspinner series. And that starts with Saving Fable by Scott Rintgen. Indira has been waiting to become a hero, but she's always been kind of like the sidekick character, and she's been selected to travel to fable, and there's this like protagonist preparatory school that where you can become a, a hero. There's famous literary characters who are the professors, but dark magic is threatening them all, and Indira has to um, decide that maybe she's not the sidekick character, maybe some of that hero power is stepping in so that she can save the day. So that one sounded really cute. And then one more with um, continuing like the Percy Jackson, there's the author of the series has a Rick Royden presents line. Have you heard of those? I have not. So they're not written by Rick Royden. They're a line of middle grade readers from underrepresented backgrounds to share similar mythologies and folklore from around the world. So just a couple of them. The Storm Runner by JC Cervantes is set in New Mexico and the lead character has a physical disability, but he also has a family connection to a Maya God. So that's the adventure there. Um, Dragon Pearl by Yoon Ha Lee is a science fiction about Min who's a teenage fox spirit, which um, that's based on Korean folklore. Um, I think fox spirits sound awesome. And then she has to save the planet, of course. And the last one I wanted to point out was Tristan Sh- Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kwame Mavalia. And that features a seventh-grade boy who punches a hole into the midpass and much must race to find Ananzi, the Weaver, to repair the rip before monsters sneak out and wreak havoc. So all of the titles look amazing and ton of different authors. So, if you like Percy Jackson, you might like these as well.
0: I got one on here. It's Red as Blood, White as Bone by Theodora Glass. Um, it is a dark Ooh. fantasy about a kitchen girl obsessed with fairy tales who, upon discovering a ragged woman outside the castle during a storm, takes her in, certain that she's a princess in disguise. Spoiler,
1: I don't think so. I like your
0: spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Girls of Kingfisher Club as well. Uh, it's a story of set in like the Depression era, 1920s, roaring 20s kind of thing where it's a lot of speakeasies uh, but some sisters who go out dancing uh, every night at the speakeasy clubs and they may or may not be getting drawn into those those fairy lands. But you know me, Sarah, I can't just talk about books. There are movies we can watch. So many movies. Okay, uh, we got Stardust. I I think we talk about Stardust every time I get a chance to talk about Neil Gaiman. But it is a great fairy tale fairy yeah. tale movie.
1: It is. It's so good. It's like a lullaby. It's easy to watch.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. We made the kids watch half of it the other day because we just walked into it. What about Suspiria? <laughs> the original?
1: Oh, totally. That's totally. It's kind of like the the witch.
0: It's kind of loosely based on Snow White. If you think about it,
1: with the ballerina.
0: Mm, well, I mean, it's you know, witches' coven's and stuff like that. But mm. in the way, it's a new co- American newcomer in the prestigious German Ballet Academy it comes to realize that a school is a front for something sinister amid a series of grisly murders. Then, because I love Guillermo del Toro, uh, *Shape of Water*, uh, where mm-hmm. you got 1960s lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature being held in captivity, and dark. Pan's Labyrinth, which is 1944, a young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into the eerie but captivating fantasy world. And because that's not dark enough for me, I got one last one that's even darker, and that is uh, Freeway, which is a twisted take on Little Red Riding Hood in which a teenage juvenile delinquent on the run from a social worker traveling to her grandmother's house And being hounded by a charming but sadistic serial killer and pedophile.
1: And I have watched that one.
0: It is. You you
1: recommended it to me earlier, so I did watch it.
0: And what would you say to anybody that's going to come into that one?
1: You have to, yeah, you have to be ready for craziness, I think.
0: I mean. Everything
1: twists. Like you can't, what you're expecting is not going to happen.
0: And that you got Reese Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland playing roles that are just not what you would expect the two of them to be playing.
1: It was good. It was good, but dark, not very pledged dark.
0: dark, but, but, but still dark,
1: very dark. Yeah. Not recommended for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: That's all I got. So if you've got more,
1: I don't have any more fairy tales. I just have things that I've been reading. Um, oh, what you've been
0: reading? What 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 have we been reading and have been watching?
1: I enjoyed, speaking of Reese Witherspoon, anything that she um, recommends for her book club is awesome. And so I read the YA Reese Witherspoon recommendation, Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. It's a gothic set in 1800s Edinburgh, Scotland, featuring young Hazel Sinette. And she wants to be a, a surgeon, and at that time, women couldn't be surgeons. And then there's Jack Kerr, a resurrection man who digs up, you know, recent graves to, you know, send them to the Edinburgh Anatomist Society so they could practice dissection. And um, Hazel's character development is the star of the book. She's learning, she's progressing. It's exciting to follow. There's a little bit of love, uh, a big mystery, tons of dead bodies. It's definitely got that and Hare vibe kind of plays on Edinburgh's macabre history and medical history. So it's, it's very interesting. It was good.
0: I, uh, I've been doing a lot of kids books. We've been going, getting back into the habit of reading to the kids. Mm -hmm. So I I did, uh, the first two books so far of the zombie chasers series, uh, which I I don't remember what the second one's called, but we're getting ready to get into sludgement day, which is number three. um, And that is the, the story of some middle school kids who experienced zombification of their town slash country. And it it is potty humor, (laughs) but, but it's, you know,
1: they're enjoying it. Also
0: did uh, we picked up a, a, I've been getting into painting miniatures again, Mm because I put that on hold and we went to the, the, the games workshop store up here and there was a book here called um it was from the warhammer adventures uh, series called uh, attack of the necron and we just started that one the other night which is about uh, a, a girl whose parents are planetary archaeologists and i think they're going to unco- uncover some a tomb world where the robotic death things are going to start coming after them
1: okay and I know that Warhammer is like this very intensive both role-playing game as well as the book series, right?
0: It is. There's some role-playing to it, but the most of it it is it's it's plastic crack, is what it is. They have little expensive miniatures that are super expensive and you form armies with them and you it's it's basically chess with painted plastic guys and if you haven't seen the internet explode in the last week and a half because henry cavill is a a big time player Ah. just look it up you will see him touring the store and oh my god nerds lose their mind
1: i did hear that story i was like where did i hear warhammer recently that was it superman slash yes
0: yes he, he got a big old That's tour funny. and he is, it's like people have learned just how big of a nerd he is. And oh my goodness, it is never ending.
1: Which is delightful in every way.
0: Yeah.
1: It makes him more personable.
0: It does. It does. And evidently he's an all around nice guy is what everybody keeps posting. I and I'm like, I, I want him to be horrible because he's too good looking. He's too rich and he's too friendly. I don't like it.
1: Speaking of all around nice guys, I just finished How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days by KM Jackson. <laughs> so we both mentioned that we love Keanu. Mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. should add Henry Cavill to the list and maybe we can just chat about him. Yeah. But maybe. maybe but Keanu Reeves has been around for a little longer. So if you're looking for a fun rom-com where, you know, they have to like get out of the friend zone, this is the book for you, How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days. So Brittany is longtime friends with True. He was friends with her younger brother and uh, she's an artist, huge Keanu Reeves fan. Her dog is even named Morphe after um, the Matrix's Morpheus and... He basically, just unravel. They have like cross country adventures trying to find Keanu because that's her goal. And it's been rumored that Keanu is getting married in ninety days, so she feels that if she meets Keanu, he's going to marry her instead.
0: I think I'm going to read that one too. Hmm. And knowing my taste in books, that's outside my normal thing. I wonder why I'm going to read that.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: I know another book you've read, Boatman's Daughter. Yes,
1: I did. I re- I really enjoyed. The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. And that kind of has some, you know, fairy tale-esque in a gothic, southern gothic way. Swamp Um, gothic, yes. Swampy, swampy fairy tale with, you know, creatures and um, witches. And it is is good. It's very good.
0: Tying back to Henry Cavill, we've benched through the two seasons of The Witcher here not too long ago, which was sexy fun. Oh my goodness. So many... Mm. Mmm. Mm. <laughs> a lot of a lot of grunts. Have <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you gotta watch The Witcher, you'll understand.
1: I haven't seen it. I'm behind.
0: Uh, okay. I'll I'm have slow. to watch it. Have you done Ozark?
1: mm I haven't.
0: You should. It's 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 another one of those dark ones where it just people making bad decisions just keep making more bad decisions, kind of thing. But uh the other the, just the other night we watched the Netflix remake of well, I guess it's not a remake, continuation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And everybody Did has- do a good job? I mean, so many people are saying it sucked, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I get why certain characters people won't like just because, you know, it's a generational thing, but it was an opportunity to teach my, my oldest child my philosophy on movies and how I sometimes stick to it and sometimes don't. But okay. I, if you're going into a movie called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's set in Texas. There's a chainsaw. There's a massacre. What else can you want from that movie? It's like this, this philosophy was born out of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, where I went in expecting <laughs> something else. But it had Abraham Lincoln. There was a vampire and he was hunting them. So what did I expect <laughs> from that movie? Anything more than that is on me.
1: This is true. Yes. So there was Texas, there was a chainsaw and
0: there was a massacre. And it was enjoyable for what it was. (laughs) I did not follow my philosophy on moonfall, but there is a moon and it falls. I wanted more and I shouldn't have.
1: It happens.
0: It does. What else you got?
1: I revisited mouse one and two since the book uh, was recently pulled from curriculum in Tennessee. So I, I love banned books. So I had to add it to my reading list. Um, It was pulled for profanity and nudity, but there's really not a lot of that in the book at all. Um, It was brilliantly done. The, it was first published in 1980 for book one, Art Spiegelman wrote and illustrated mouse first as a graphic memoir on the story of his own parents Vladek and Anya, their experience being Jewish in Poland during World War II, and they both ended up being in Auschwitz. It's really also kind of goes into the artist documenting conversations with his father um, about his family experiences as a Holocaust survivor. And it's a hard story, but it's very well told. Uh, The Jewish are portrayed as mice. The Nazis are cats. Americans are dogs. The French are frogs. And the Polish are pigs. So you can kind of tell um, a little bit just how they're illustrated. And so like if it's a Jewish person trying to pretend that they are only Polish They'll actually have like a little pig mask on and you can see the little mask. His drawings are done with a lot of care. And um, this book banning has prompted comic stores to give the books away for free in a lot of locations. And it's reached the top Amazon sales. So that's pretty cool. It's very um, encouraging in in contrast to um, what prompted those sales.
0: Unrelated because we talked about this and the last interview we did, but did you follow my suggestion and watch Peacemaker yet?
1: I have seen the entire first season because it was the last episode last week Mm -hmm. and it's violent, but it's really funny. So I enjoyed it. I also watched the Suicide Squad, but I didn't like that one as much. I think Peacemaker was better than the Suicide Squad.
0: Well, I would agree with that statement, but I think the Suicide Squad was leaps and bounds better than Suicide Squad. So
1: there's... Okay. There's more
0: there's the the suicide squad was one that was like four or five years ago. It has Will Smith. Okay. And,
1: uh, I didn't see that one.
0: uh, Yeah. You don't need to. Okay. It's it's awful. The suicide squad or the suicide squad, depending on what side of the, the, the thing you you live on, um, (laughs) is so much better. And it's a peacemaker obviously spins out of that and it is stupid And I cannot get enough of John Cena just being that goofy anti hero.
1: He was brilliant in it. His acting skills, I mean, you think WWE, but he was really good. He was very good at acting. And I found out something really like, you know, celeb gossip, but it's very sweet. The director, James Gunn, and the actress who plays Harcourt jennifer holland they have a dating they know you spoiled it that was it (laughs) they (laughs) just got engaged that's adorable
0: you know and i'm just saying six degrees of separation i'm i am one degree away from that right now that i'll be able to talk about at some point
1: okay yeah yeah this is true um
0: but i love the jokes in it especially when they're making fun of all the other dc people I mean it is mm-hmm. not PC. I can't repeat any of them here, but
1: no, especially with Aquaman.
0: <laughs> or Green Arrow. That, that was matter. really funny.
1: <laughs> oh, both of them is so funny.
0: It is it but is it an was... interesting show, yes.
1: I I recommend. And then kind of similarly, uh Reacher, I really enjoyed. Did you see Reacher? Yes, yet? I, I
0: did plow through that one.
1: I thought it was so fun. I think the similarities between Peacemaker and Reacher is basically this really big man as the star of the show. Alan so Nixon. the lead character. Yes. So he's 6'2. He's supposed to be 6'5 and um in Lee Child's John Reacher series. So it's very close to um what the original book would be, uh, he is starting a with huge this, mountain of beef. Huge. I know everyone's like got these muscles. So it's it's the the whole series is the first book in this which is The Killing Floor. And it was so successful that season two is a definite. So a small town, big mystery, action-packed, and really a lot of fun.
0: He's another one I would love to interview. He's in the, he makes a cameo in that uh, Lee Child. Really? hmm
1: I did not know that. I, I guess I don't know what Lee Child looks like. I'll have to like look him up and see if I saw him.
0: Diner scene, excuse me.
1: Really? <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Okay, I have um, to rewatch the whole series. <laughs>
0: uh, but uh if you Alan Richardson, because I'm I'm come I came into him through a different TV show called A Blue Mountain State, which is about yes. college football, and it is completely not Reacher in the least. So it's interesting to see him play this monosyllabic psychopath because that it, he is. Yeah. I mean he's a good guy, but he's he's a complete psychopath. <laughs>
1: A lovable psychopath
0: but yes it was good I, I enjoyed that one too
1: and then i also watched um just continuing the trend of violence um happen leonard on netflix have you seen that one
0: i have i have yeah I do, I... which
1: there's a reason why i watched all of those
0: yep To be
1: revealed they're, but they're...
0: They're, yeah these the, what is it honky tonk samurai um, there are a couple other books, but it is a, a, an interesting series, a tale of two odd couple, odd couple gentlemen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're based on a book series by Joe Lansdale and, um, Hap and Leonard. It's just, their friendship is awesome. I, I think that's what makes the show, especially cause you know, they'll survive. <laughs> You're like, they'll be in it. I could root for them. Um, And I'm reading Moon Lake, which is by the same author, and there are some similar parallels. So there's mystery, there's cars going into large bodies of water, there's floods, that seems to be a reoccurring thing of like towns underneath floods, I don't Mm -hmm. know. And then interracial relationships, and then is also set all in East Texas.
0: There's a lot of and and that's, that's part of, I guess, the history up here, too, that I'm I haven't gotten a full dealing of, So I'm probably going to butcher some history here, but you know, when you start building dams, you flood areas and it's, it's an interesting, it, people don't always want to go.
1: No. Yeah. There were several like scenes where just entire towns are getting flooded. Like oh, touches, there you can see the gas station.
0: Yeah. Touches back to, uh, Cohen brother oh uh, brother where art thou when they were, you know mm-hmm. trying to get that roll top desk and before the the, the whole town gets flooded
1: it's such a good movie
0: it's interesting what we do to 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 areas in order to provide convenience and comfort for areas not not there
1: it's pretty wild
0: so you want to talk about uh, anything happening at the libraries
1: Sure. I was just going to mention that we're slowly rolling out in-person programming and to, you know, visit our website to see what's happening, visit our Facebook pages. And I'm sure that's the same for you guys as well.
0: It is yours is what NWRLS.com.
1: It is.
0: And mine would be HMCPL.org.
1: Okay. Very similar.
0: Yes. Yes. We just started a computer class in person here not too long ago. And okay. we have a concert series that's going to be starting up in March.
1: Same here. Sweet. We have our concert series starting in March as well.
0: Nice. I your I guarantee yours doesn't involve you moving an entire floor of shelves.
1: No, and we just are using the services space. <laughs>
0: yes, we're gonna we're gonna turn our third floor into a, a
1: concert a, venue. A venue. Well, that's delightful. You can do it. You can do it. There's a lot of a lot of shelf moving. That's heavy. It
0: is. It is. That is heavy. B- one thing that affects us both is OverDrive and Libby. Uh, they are similar in, in use, but one of them is going away. Uh, OverDrive is, is sunsetting out. They, If you do not have OverDrive right now, you will not be able to get it because it is no longer available in your various apps loca- app store locations. Amazon will continue support of it through the end of the year. And then after that, it will be no more. And you will rely solely on Libby, which is just a different flavor of the exact same program. I've always been partial to Overdrive. So
1: I really like Libby by Overdrive and it is by Overdrive. So it's the same um, catalog. It's just done in a different way. But yeah, download that Libby app. If you don't have it, it's easy to hop on in.
0: Um, One of these services that we've hinted at several times here that we offer is a service called Blast, which is a music, uh, a curated music thing of local bands here in the area. And you don't need a library card to use it. So this is something that people in, you know, your neck of the woods could could use if they go to blast.hmcpl.org. Give, give some of these local bands up here a listen. There's some interesting stuff. We are in the process of putting up some, uh, auditioning some new bands to get up there right now, actually, even so it's constantly growing and it is a interesting service and it is super cool. It Gives you, you know, a feel for what I'm dealing with here.
1: That is really cool. So any of these bands, will they be performing live in your library?
0: The intent is to, but so far the the concert series does not start off with them, but they soon... My goal is soon. Okay,
1: That would I mean, be awesome because then you can like highlight it again. Like, hey, exactly. like yes. this, listen to this.
0: Exactly. Anything else you got going on?
1: Uh, just our norm. We've got book clubs. Our children's programmings are slowly kind of resuming. Um, we've got a customer satisfaction survey uh, working towards that long range plan. We have access now to some newspapers through our database.
0: Sitting in on a strategic planning meeting earlier today. For okay, those and building plans. that
1: strategic plan. Yep, yes. that's the goal. So, so we really hope to get you know our community feedback so we can kind of just be able to develop what the path is. That, what do you want, and we'll try and make it happen.
0: I, I know people want more of this, so they should write that in there.
1: Yes, podcasting. It's just become our full time. You know, like we're just going <laughs> to podcast. <laughs> It'll be great.
0: <laughs> yes. That's
1: really it's it for me, but
0: I'm out of, I'm out of info as well today, Sarah.
1: Thanks for joining us at unstacked and stay tuned for more episodes. Stay safe and read my friend. It's good for you. Bye.
0: Bye.